2: Good morning, I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has ruled out a ceasefire and he has refused to resign, which the opposition has been imploring him to do. Let's get to Ed Baxter in San Francisco with all
3: the latest, Ed. Yeah, that's right, Brian. And this with a backdrop of intensified ground operations in Gaza, tanks penetrating deep into Gaza, and Israeli forces raiding a West Bank, exchanging fire with Hezbollah across the Lebanese border. Netanyahu defiant today and addressing the nation and the media.
4: I want to make clear Israel's position regarding a ceasefire. Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire after the bombing of Pearl Harbor or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas after the horrific attacks of October 7th. Calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism, to surrender to barbarism that will not happen
3: and says he will not resign the only thing that i intend to have resign is hamas we're
4: going to resign them to the dustbin of history that's my goal. That's my responsibility. And
1: that's what I'm leading the country to do.
3: And then Yahoo says this is a turning point, the decision to fight or surrender to tyranny. House Republicans are taking their own path to aid on Israel. House Republicans introdu- introducing a $14.3 billion aid plan. The package separates Israel aid from a broader Biden emergency funding request that includes Ukraine and Taiwan. Bloomberg's Jonathan Tamari says it's interesting question about separating them and whether aid to Ukraine now will pass.
5: The Republicans only want to put up bills that have a majority of Republican support. Mm. And that's where the question comes in on Ukraine, is that there's been a lot of skepticism among some segments of Republicans towards Ukraine aid. And so that bill would get enough support, I think, from Republicans and Democrats.
3: Now, the House bill pays for the Israel aid by cutting the Biden Inflation Reduction Act, calling for a $14.3 billion reduction in funding for the IRS. In the U.S., White House says it is getting reports of a rise in anti-Semitic incidents. National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the administration has doubled down on its commitment to protect the Jewish community.
5: It's a deep concern, which is why we as an administration are working so closely with state and local authorities to make sure we can identify any threats and disrupt them before they happen.
3: And Kirby says there's no place for it in America. Saudi forces say they are on high alert after a clash with Houthi rebels. Four Saudi soldiers died in clashes in the Jizan province on the border with Yemen. The Houthis also tried to fire a missile over the kingdom toward Israel. And with a settlement between GM and the UAW today, all of the big three are getting ready Ready to go back to work full force and President Joe Biden says a majority victory for both sides.
5: These record agreements reward auto workers who gave up much uh, to keep the industry working and going during the financial crisis more than a decade ago. These agreements ensure the iconic big three can still lead the world in quality and innovation.
3: Uh, Biden says building the economy from the middle out. More details on the deal itself coming up very shortly here on Bloomberg. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg. Brian.
2: Ed, thanks very much. Doug Kristner and I will take a look at some of the top stories, and Paul Allen will be joining us uh, in a few moments on the show as well. Well, General Motors says it has reached a tentative agreement with United Auto Workers to end its strike. The strike has run six weeks. We hear the deal includes a 25 percent hourly pay raise plus cost of living allowances over more than four years of the contract. We spoke earlier with Bloomberg's David Welch, who says there's still more work ahead.
3: These contracts do actually take some time to, to kind of get ratified and that sort of thing you know and there will be this sort of almost Byzantine process where they go about you know trying to get everything ratified and you know once that process is in place then the companies can kind of start looking at you know where they're going to invest and how quickly they got ramp things up and, and I think that's you know it's going to be tough for them to do um, just kind of cranking up EV production and and all this other stuff. You know, it, it just takes a little bit of time to turn the ignition on these things.
2: That's Bloomberg's David Welch. Separately, UAW officials are now urging all unions in the U.S. to prepare for strikes on May Day of 2028. That's when the latest proposed contracts with the big three automakers are set to expire. Trick
4: or treat from Apple? Well, we're about to find out. The tech giant is rolling out some new products on the eve of Halloween. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow.
5: In the event dubbed Scary Fast, we're expecting a big focus on Mac, a new iMac, according to Bloomberg's reporting, and an updated version of a high-end MacBook Pro. We also expect Apple to debut its latest generation silicon, the M3 chip, its PC processor, Um, then move forward to Thursday when we get Apple earnings. The expectation is that overall we see a fourth consecutive quarter of sales decline for Apple.
4: That is uh, Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. By the way, Apple shares were up 1%. 1% one percent today and that scary fast event will kick off at 8 p.m wall street time and of
2: course we'll be monitoring it for you brian well, the U.S. Treasury cut its its net borrowing estimate for the current quarter from 852 to $776 billion. Now, this offers some relief to investors who are concerned about the rapidly widening fiscal deficit. Treasury officials said part of the reason for the smaller figure is the magnitude of deferred tax receipts coming from areas of California and other states. These states have been granted extensions due to natural disasters. And we've been talking uh, for the past uh, week or so about the refunding announcement on Wednesday. That's when we'll find out how this money is spread across the various tenors uh, of those uh, bonds being sold. Doug? Well, President Biden
4: today signed an executive order on artificial intelligence. This will establish standards for both security and privacy protections. The order will have, obviously, broad impacts on companies developing AI tools. They will be required to first safety test New models before releasing them to the public. Here is the president on the order.
5: One thing is clear. To realize the promise of AI and avoid the risk, we need to govern this technology. Not And uh, there's no other way around it, in my view. It must be governed.
4: That is President Biden. Now, he went on to say that he will meet Tuesday with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and lawmakers from both parties at the White House. They will discuss AI and passing legislation
2: on privacy concerns. Brian? We saw a pop in the yen. Dollar yen here, 149.06 at the moment. Policymakers at the Bank of Japan are considering letting 10-year bond yields top the 1% mark. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has more. The Bank of Japan is set to consider a further tweaking of its yield curve control policy at its meeting today. The Nikkei newspaper says the central bank is likely to allow further flexibility in yield movements. The BOJ is likely to consider allowing 10-year JGB yields to rise above 1% by modifying its fixed rate buying operations. The move may prevent the bank from having to buy large amounts of long-term debt. The yen strengthened against the dollar after the report. 10-year swap rates also received a boost. Upward pressure on yields has been stronger than what BOJ Governor Kazuo Oera had expected. In Hong Kong, i Wong, Bloomberg Radio.
4: Well, later today, we'll get China's official readings on the PMI, and analysts are expecting these data to show a brief lull in China's recovery. You'll have to remember the eight-day holiday at the beginning of the month, yes, and that's likely to be behind this anticipated setback. Bloomberg Economics is projecting the official manufacturing PMI to slip to a reading of 49.9. That would be down from 50.2 in September and would be the first drop that we have seen since May. At the same time, the non-manufacturing PMI is expected to ease to a reading of 51. That would be down from 51.7, by the way. Separately, the private Saishin manufacturing PMI could move in the other direction, and that's because there is a different seasonal adjustment method. Used in that calculation.
0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
5: Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor centric firm built for successful advisors like you.
2: i'm brian curtis along with paul allen and this is bloomberg daybreak asia our guest is jody schneider political news director for bloomberg television and radio with us to look more closely at the israel hamas war jody israel is definitely facing more pressure to to focus on humanitarian considerations and so that's one thing markets have been a, a little bit buoyant here in the past 24 hours yet at the same time as we heard from ed israeli forces have raided a city in the west Bank, um, they've exchanged fire with Hezbollah across the Lebanese border, and also conducted an airstrike in Syria. So it seems that we have both restraint and escalation, which which seems a little oxymoronic. But I guess that's war.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're seeing uh, Brian the we're seeing both on the um, you know US forces uh, US and Allied forces um, you know telling us that Israel is um, moving ahead with this next phase uh, and uh, even as the UN warns that um, this war is spreading and this humanitarian crisis uh, Israel is promising more aid uh, at, even as it steps up those attacks they're uh they're there, uh, Ron Dermer, the strategic affairs minister, uh, told us that uh, the aid shipments to Gaza are set to pick up somewhat um, 100 trucks a day of aid uh, starting tomorrow or Wednesday, which, of course, at this stage, you know, is still a, a, a proverbial drop in the bucket. But they said um, they expect that and they expect that to continue. Dermer also said that the next several days should see the lowest number of civilian casualties of war, which is an interesting statement to make. So he acknowledged that unanticipated effects may affect the outlook. So this is what Israel has had a lot of criticism for: is the civilians, uh, the large number of civilians that have died as they have, you know, gone further into Gaza. And this is something that uh, the U.S. has also been concerned about and has been urging Israel to, uh, you know, think of a different, think of different strategies uh, as it goes into Gaza, given the civilian, um, you know, and the whole humanitarian crisis that is occurring. There,
5: uh, we, we were hearing from uh, Benjamin Netanyahu earlier in at Baxter's newscast, and he's pushing back on suggestions that he resign over the security breach that started this uh, whole conflict. Uh, how how strong is his position right now? Is he likely to see out this entire conflict?
0: Yeah, hard hard to know, Paul. But um, one of the things that, of course, uh, provoked these questions was over the weekend um, the prime minister. Uh, criticized when you know when when asked was actually criticized um, the uh, the army <laughs> you know criticized the uh, for um, some of the, the, the or the you know, armed forces there for um, some of the intelligence failures and that that was very you know that went online and very quickly taken down and then he uh, apologized but there's a lot of anger in Israel um, over um, how this you know intelligence failure occurred sort of um, and a lot of it directed toward him and his government given that he had really been pushing for this judicial the so-called judicial reform uh, and had and had been focusing on that rather than military matters so some found it very ironic that he was then pointing the finger at the military itself so mm. when uh, this is what provoked these questions today but it, he came out and made it very clear he's not resigning making that statement the only yeah. thing I intend to have resign is Hamas so it looks like for now he is has no intention of doing that it is a war cabinet he is in right now they're not doing anything except uh, military related activities taking up no other matters
2: well, he, he always does defiance very well, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. From the U.S. Uh, point of view, uh, U.S. forces have been attacked by Iran-backed militias, and we had a senior defense official saying it was 23 times since October 17th, yet most of the attacks failed to hit their targets. So is the U.S. approaching this from, well, it's terrible that we've been attacked so many times, or it's actually good because these militias are not very good in getting their targets to hit the
0: mark? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, actually. I mean, they're obviously relieved that most of these attacks did fail to hit those targets, but the really the bigger concern is this escalation of the Israel-Hamas war. Um, and as we know, last week the U.S. conducted strikes into facilities in Syria that the administration is concerned um, are used by groups affiliated with Iranian forces. And of course, we've heard, you know, from the Syrian side, there's concerns. There's concerns about uh, Hezbollah uh, in the north. So this is the real. Worry from the U.S. that this could get out of control and out of control pretty quickly.
5: Uh, you mentioned the uh, procession of aid into Gaza a moment ago. Uh, we've only got about thirty seconds left, but what about the opportunities for refugees to get out? It's still not really an option, is it?
0: Not really. This is really a this is a huge problem. and This is what's leading the UN and other and relief organizations to be very, very concerned because um, people in Gaza are basically stuck there for the, for the time being.